the B Plus Wrestling Podcast. You the moves. You might not be an A, but you are a B Plus. Check it out. Here we go. You want to mess with us? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen out there in the Beer Plus land. I'm your host, Mr. Mysterious, and welcome to All The Rest, the wrestling podcast where we cover all the wrestling news in this bizarre, weird, wacky world that we all call professional wrestling. It's good to get back into the swing of things. Uh, I'm actually pretty happy to talk about the wrestling news this week. I've had a pretty interesting week. I actually got to... I discovered, actually, someone helped me uncover a link to... All four seasons of Lucha Underground. Now, this is actually especially exciting for me because when I first got into B+, I was reviewing like the very tail end of Lucha Underground. So I only reviewed like, I'm going to say like four matches, four or five matches of season four. And then Lucha Underground is essentially buried at this point. But I wanted to have a look at it. And now there is a link for Australians to actually watch it in its entirety. So I have been doing an episode a day and I am pleasantly happy. We've got Glow Season 3 has come out, so I'm getting ready to binge watch that after I've done talking to you guys. And yeah, I'm hoping down the line we have a nice little Glow Season 3 podcast for you all or a Lucha Underground seasons, like whether by season by season or the whole series. I want to try and do a whole bunch of du- different variety stuff for you guys and just as well cover the wrestling news from this week because there is a bit to unpack here, but we're going to do it. We're going to persevere. And you know what? We're going to have some fun. We're going to be covering a bit of MLW news, a bit of AEW, a bit of NWA with the revelation of what they're going on with. You have the weird WWE news because you always have weird WWE news. And then just any other story that comes across my desk because I need to transfer this from my brain to yours. I need It's like a knowledge like through osmosis, but I'm doing it through radio waves. So the moment you hear it, like it's, it's stuck in your head forever and ever and ever. I'm just kidding, guys. Let's get started here. MLW 69, main evented by Davey Boy Smith Jr. going up against Timothy Thatcher. Uh, we had this episode on commentary. You had the ragtag team of Rich Burkini and Tony Schiavone. Schiavone is back. It's so good to hear him. I don't know if this is permanent. I would like to think so because of all the stuff that's happened with Jim Cornette. And uh, I'm very glad that Tony It's just good to hear his voice again. He has such a... He has such a color commentator voice, and he works well for the style of MLW, like the sports-centric feel that they go for, which is probably why AEW are trying to acquire him for their sports center. Like Whether he can do both, I, I have no idea at this point, but regardless, just the moment I saw him and heard him, it's just, ah, oh, we missed you, Tony. We missed you very much. Opening match here, we have uh, Loki versus Jimmy Yuta. And, of course, we've had uh, Loki knocking out fools left, right, and center for the past month now. And then you had uh, the match last week with Ricky Martinez, which actually went a good few minutes before Loki made uh, Ricky Martinez pass out to the Dragon Sleeper. 
So I was very curious if we were going to go back to the knockouts or people from now on were actually going to start giving Loki a bit of a challenge. But my thoughts were answered pretty much in the first 25 seconds because after what feels like months, it's been a while since we've seen Jim Eater in MLW, that he had a feud with Jason Cade back at the start of the year. And then Jason Cade got injured. He might have left. I don't know. But, yeah, he was having this, like, middleweight feud with him and then MJF, and then MJF got injured. It was all a mess. But now he's back, and he's ready to face off against the professional Loki. How did he go? He got his ass knocked out. Loki just kung fu'd him right in the face with, like, a bit, like, a teak kick. It was, oh, you you want to... MMA knockout at its finest. Just watch that kick. Just watch that match, if you can call it that. It's only about 25, 30 seconds of, yeah, Loki just sussing out exactly what Yuta's going to do, and then boom, right in the kisser. It was pretty much, uh, I remember the UFC, like, was it 126, 125, somewhere around there. Anderson Silva defeating um, Vito Belfort, and, um, after the match, Loki cut a promo, talking back, walking backstage. He's saying, "Right foot to the hospital, left foot to the grave," which is like Mirko Kokrop's signature line. And he has unfinished business, so stay tuned. So that unfinished business could mean two things. Uh, the way that this episode went, I think we know which way it's heading. So the next little thing we contra is in the war chamber. They have challenged Tom Lawler and the Von Erics, right? Contra accepts, but it will be a four-on-four match for the War Chamber. What is the War Chamber? It's War Games. It's the, it's the War Games, but uh, WWE, MLW sold the rights back to WWE for War Games, so now they can use it again, and MLW, they just use War Chamber, which, that's fine. You, you know what it is. It doesn't matter. But Jacob Fartu is going to bust heads open all the way down to the white meat. It's like, oh, he's getting small werewolf. Like he, he could probably do that, to be fair. Uh, Joseph Samuel said the Von Erics are blinded by pride, and Simon Gotch added that they will be blinded by something far worse. Ooh, a bit of foreshadowing there. We'll see what happens here. All hail Contra. Uh, so, yeah, four on four. We have three members on each team at the moment, and they're mystery partners who will be answering. We have this next segment, which, if you listened last week, um, a lot of, I'm probably going to be repeating myself, but I'll just bears, bears repeating. So Conan met with Selena and her manservant, Jimmy Havoc. Like, Havoc's kind of taken the role of Martinez in her errand boy in a weird way. Just because. Just about uh, returning her cell phone, telephone. Conan has three non-negotiable demands, or he will release the contents of Selena's phone to the public. He's going to, because she was going to blackmail him, he's going to blackmail her, but he's describing last week, like, oh, it's some triple X shit. I know you all want to see it because you're all perverts. And yeah, Conan, that's that's revenge porn. You you really need to stop this right now. Um, yeah. So the first of his demands. What are his demands? The first is a very bizarre one. So the first is actually that L.A. Park 
and Jimmy Havoc have a match together, which I don't understand how that is leverage. I don't understand. <laughs> like, make they they have a match, uh, okay, righto. And he he's trying to sound clever, so he's saying that he's going to make a soup of her own chocolate, which sounds dirty, but it sounds like a weird entendre. But it was it's trying to him him trying to make a fancy way of saying that he'll turn the tables on what she has planned. So the first thing he wanted was for L.A. Park and Jimmy Havoc to have a match. And at first she's like no, but then just like oh yeah, fair enough. We'll see what happens there. Like, I, I'm not against L.A. Park and Jimmy Havoc fighting. I'm just very confused at how that happened. <laughs> like, they could have come up with a far better reason than this. But Conan, like, is he gunning for Jimmy Havoc? I oh, I don't know. Like, regardless, um, since Jimmy Havoc is AEW bound exclusively in the next month now i'm gonna say la park is probably gonna kill him but it's it's gonna be glorious to watch it's gonna be glorious to watch whether that happens next week or the week after i i want to see that match i'm not happy with how it's happened i want the mlw to stop this blackmail storyline because it's the connotations and the 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 implications of it, I, it just makes me a bit uncomfortable. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm hoping like two more episodes, two more negotiations, and then we're done. Like I'm hoping there's nothing like decrepit or seedy that Conan asks Lena to do. And I just want everyone to get back to the sports-centric style of Major League Wrestling that I love. Is that too much to ask, ladies and gentlemen? That too much to ask. We have um, another segment. This time it's the lifestyles of the rich and dynastic. So I got I got to realize. So you had H Two TV, like the Heart Foundation's TV, their little, their little segments during MLW. They've kind of stopped now. Is it like only the champions can have segments? Is that is that what's happening here? Like the moment that. And another member of the Hart Foundation wins the tag titles back. Is is that how they give them like, attention? I don't know. Very, very bizarre. Like I just realized that we've just flat out stopped all the episodes of H2 TV. And uh, newly debuting is the lifestyles of the rich and dynastic. Alexander Hammerstone, Richard Holiday, Aria Blake, and of course MJF. Standing in the parking lot of a Porsche dealership. MJF is a little annoyed um, because Arya scratched his neck. What were they doing? Um, I'll let your minds wander. <laughs> and uh, he says that she needs to trim her nails or she'll be sent back to etiquette school. <laughs> God, MJF, he's, he's a delight. He's a delight. Uh, they're talking about watches. They're talking about the 91 Hogan tan again. Like, and Holiday is threatening to write a negative Yelp review about the slow service at the Porsche dealership after five minutes of waiting, right? Of course, their talk transitioned to MLW talk. They're talking about how Teddy Hart failed a wellness test, so he's not allowed to invoke his rematch clause for the tag team titles. And Hammerstone follows this up by saying, 
guys what's on the wellness policy and the other two are like we'll get you clean piss and like funny segment enjoyed it lot of weird implications from this like it's such a throwaway line but mlw again they are a very sports centric kind of promotion like they try and make it so they're enforcing the weight classes they are, have fighters there they don't have um wrestlers they don't have superstars they have fighters that there is a big thing with them like a lot of their stars are luchadors and it's all like a lot of realism they try and make things as real as they possibly can in how they go about the athleticism and what they do in the middle of the ring and if in, as part of that like they'll they'll say that they find this star they've suspended this star that this star is getting seeing the disciplinary board and everything else to have such a throwaway line like teddy hart has violated the wellness policy is like wouldn't there have been more of a big deal out of that and it, it just seemed like to be a butt of a joke and which is weird because mjf and teddy hart the basis for their uh, rematch clause and everything else was that this was before the dynasty started happening before like Holiday joined MJF and then it, Hammerstone joined uh, those two to become the dynasty. At first, the story was like akin to CM Punk, Jeff Hardy levels of just like no clean living. Like I, I'm the bad guy, but I have not done, I've not been to jail. I've not done drugs. Like, am I really the bad guy? Like they were really getting in deep in that. And now it's just such a throwaway thing. Now, and it, it confuses me as well because there are three members of the Hart Foundation. Like, if Teddy Hart can't enact his rematch clause, like, then that means like Davy Boy and Brian Pillman should be able to. Like, that's how that should work. And yes, Teddy is like you can just say like he's the middleweight champion. He's got better things to deal with, like facing off against Austin Aries at some point down the line, which I. I can't wait until that happens. I've nearly forgotten about it. It's been a few weeks, but I, I don't. I don't like the implication. Just like they've they've gone to make us care about this story, and then all of a sudden, just like that's their punchline for this joke for the segment. It was funny. I laughed, but I don't know. It seems weird to just make that such a throwaway thing. If that, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm rambling or if that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but. I, if they want me to, if they want to make us really care and want us to make us really see this as a big deal, like when they have stars like get suspended or they, if they file a drug test or something and they want to make it seem like a very sports pr- promotion, enforce that with everything. And like, you can have these segments, like which I enjoyed, but I don't know, a little bit more consistency, please, MLW in the future. We have an, another segment, uh, the Spirit Squad are back in Major League Wrestling, whereas I never thought I'd say in uh, 2019. But the Spirit Squad are back in Major League Wrestling having an open workout. Now, Kenny Doan and Mike Mondo, they are the last uh, members of the SWO or the Squad World Order, as um, many people might know them. <laughs> Mike Mondo's come out with the whistle and he's just 
he's got instead of NWO, it's the SWO. He's twerking. He's got a big whistle. He's a bloody moron, but he knows exactly that he's just pissing everyone off. Kenny had some words for the New York crowd. They were lacking spirit, sports references, everything else. They said that they are here in MLW's tag team division because they've earned it, not because of their last names. The Spirit World Order issued an open challenge while insulting the Hearts and the Von Eriks. And it's like, <laughs> this was all funny. And then uh, they're just like, I don't care who answers the call. It can be like such and such. It can be the Von Eriks or whatever. It's the Von Eriks. That's not how you do that that talk. Like when you talk about like, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Austin, The Rock or whatever. You don't expect one of those people you've mentioned to actually show up. It's meant to be someone even like more random when you say that kind of talk like I don't care who walks through the door it can be you it can be you and then it turns out to be someone even higher that's how that talk works <laughs> regardless the Von Erich brothers answer the call the match was in just an extended beat down pretty much to the point where they had a commercial break and throughout the entire match the Von Erich's titantron entrance was still playing in the background. Like I don't know whether it was a glitch or they couldn't turn it off. It was weird. But yeah, it kind of made you realize who was going to win this one, this, this uh, impromptu matchup. Marshall cleaned the house with a power slam and a moonsault. Mondo broke the count, so Marshall and Ross finished the job with an iron claw slam onto Kenny. And yeah, Von Eriks won as if it was, it was as if it wasn't very obvious. After the match, though, that's where the the big meat of this whole segment came. Contra attacked. Now, just as the Von Eriks were getting the upper hand on Samuel and Simon Gotch, a shadowy figure emerged from the apron, spits mist into Marshall's eyes, so they made good on their threat to blind one of the Von Eriks. And uh, it's been revealed a uh, wrestler by the name of Tristan Ty. Now, this news broke a little while ago. I wasn't sure what to make of it. I don't think I mentioned it at all, to be honest. But So it looks like he's going to be the fourth member for Contra versus Tom Law and the Von Eriks in War Chamber. Um, I'm not against it. I was really thinking of like a bigger name, but you know what? Another foot soldier, whatever. Like, I, if Contra gets another member, maybe they're after all the gold. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see contrast this big, um, this big thing. Like it's all should be focusing around Fatu. Fatu should be the big juggernaut of this entire operation. Like he is to a point right now. But I don't know. They've got their priorities wrong. They're still trying to push the group, and just like realize that Fatu is better than all of you. <laughs> like, keep pushing Fatu. Put the other ones as like underlings. You'd make it so much better. You'd make it far better. But this four and four match intrigues me. I feel like the person that should be a part of this matchup now is Loki. Loki should be the mysterious fourth member. Whether whether they'll announce it before War Chamber or art or like just before the match starts, I feel like that's where we're heading. He's got unfinished business with both Selena and with Contra. And I just want to see Loki versus Fatu. 
I just want to see Loki just pick apart that werewolf in the steel cage. I My mind would explode. I would love to see it so much. Those boys would just beat the shit out of each other. And whether that the whole thing was like Loki would maybe knock out Gotch and Samael and then it's just like, you and me, big man, you and me. Like, I'm getting into fantasy booking here. I love the implications of this, but moving on. So uh, because of this whole kerfuffle, they cut to a uh, tape. They actually acknowledge a taped recording from another show, Gringo Loco versus Zenshi. Uh, Gringo Loco caught a flipping Zenshi, then crushed him with a tombstone pile driver. Loco actually won that match, which is surprising because Loco is usually the jobber for a lot of other talent in MLW. Uh, Myron Reed and Jordan Oliver walked through the crowd with their justice protest signs during the match. It did absolutely nothing. There was no point to it at all. It it just was what it was. Um, does that make Gringo Loco the lineal champion for Zenshi's um, Lucha Libre All-Star Championship? I, I don't know how that works. Over there, like, Zenji, like, he's a very famous wrestler over there. Uh, and as for the main event, now, getting into this. All right. Davey Boy Smith had a pre-match interview with Casey Lennox backstage. She's trying to make this segment about the scandalous video of his sister Georgia kissing Alexander Hammerstone. Davey Boy is just like, nah, mind on the match, which, thank God, I was worried. I should have been worried, but... Uh, <laughs> Spoilers. But this promo is like, it'll be a strong style at its finest. Thatcher will find out why Smith's technique is just elite. Alright, Lennox is trying to still make the issue about his sister. Brian Pillman comes out of nowhere just like, don't sweat it girl. If you only want to talk about relationships, yeah, give me give me some of it. And just takes her away to have a chat. What they'll be doing, I'll let your mind do that for you. Uh, but However we got to this, you're just here to watch Thatcher at this point. Thatcher is the best part of this episode. It's the only real main, the main match we get here because we've had a pre-tape match, a knockout, and now we've got this, this, which is actually a grappling masterclass in action, right? The, the heavyweight grappler in Thatcher versus Davey Boy from the Heart Dungeon God, it was good. It was so good. And I'm glad that the fans of MLW were so receptive to it because for opening and closing matches for, God, months and months, we've had, like, so much Lucha Libre. We've had hardcore matches. We've had a lot of fusion element fights, but we haven't really had a proper real wrestling catch-as-catch-can match. We have not really had that before in MLW. Maybe in like the early, early episodes when they're trying to experiment with everything. But man, this was great. This was absolutely phenomenal. Like Thatcher controlled the pace by working Smith's legs. Like the the big flashy maneuver at the start was like a belly to belly suplex by Thatcher off the ropes. Right at one point, Thatcher had Smith in a leg lock, and then Smith counted into a sharpshooter. The crowd went crazy for it. Right. A lot of toe-to-toe -to -toe striking. There was a German suplex. Uh, Smith bested Thatcher with two German suplexes, and then he did a Tiger suplex, which 
the look on Thatcher's face was just priceless. They they timed that one perfectly, right? Thatcher worked in an armbar. Smith broke out of it, but got caught in the triangle choke. Like Smith used his strength to powerbomb Thatcher, which again, these are two heavyweight guys doing a grappling masterclass, and then we get we get the big boy moves out in towards the end. Led to the finish where Smith submitted Thatcher to the cross face. Swift, like great pace, good twenty odd minutes devoted to just watching these guys try to lock up, call it over type, and just go at it. I loved it. I, I'm again. I'm so glad that the fans there were so receptive to it. They were this is awesome chance, and like I was wondering what was different about this episode. The guy with the air horn wasn't there. There was no air horn in this entire episode. It was so peaceful. It was so relaxing. It's like, you know those people in crowds, just they try and make shows about them and you try to ignore them. But it I just, uh, I, I just didn't realize until after I watched the match and just like the air horn was gone. He's not, he's probably back for the next episode just to spite me. But it was just nice to have an episode away from that kind of thing. Uh, afterwards, now, love the match, did not like this end bit. So Smith, uh, Georgia Smith, came out to congratulate her brother, right? And Smith had a message for, I, I keep saying Smith, they, they're both named Smith, I'm sorry. <laughs> so Davey Boy and Georgia had an interview. Davey said he's got a message for Hammerstone and he's saying that Hammerstone's mind games won't work on him. Don't play mind games with me. And Smith is considered coming up for the national openweight championship. Like Davy Boy, he never really um, he got outsmarted in his first chance at the gold, and he closed the promo by saying, "I won't go light on your boyfriend." Drop the mic. Very very corny promo. I'm not gonna. It was so cheesy. I I. I, lo- I love Davey. The crowd were popping hard for him. But man, generic babyface promo number five in action. And he's trying to make sense of this whole storyline, which Georgia Smith is not selling at all. At all. Like, she's not acting embarrassed. She's not acting shocked. She's not acting angry. Like, you don't understand what we have is special. None of that shit. And the fact that he, when you have someone who's not a great promo like Davy Boy and you're not giving him material to work with, then you get that ending line just like, no, I won't go easy on your boyfriend, right? And he's calling that relationship mind games. So what's she going to think? Like, maybe it's just like, no, it's an actual relationship that I don't know, right? Uh, oh. I think that the acting is what's getting me as well, and just this bizarre story. I'm, I'm, I don't see where the end goal is here, right? And how much story we have left with the dynasty before MJF leaves, and then what? Maybe Holiday and Hamilton can still do some stuff together. I'm, I'm confused. I really am, but overall, I did enjoy this episode of MLW. Just mainly for Thatcher and Davy Boy. That was pretty much the selling point for this entire thing for me. Absolutely loved it. 
and yeah, go check it out. We are inching ever closer to their big super fight event in November, their first ever big pay-per-view event, only about 20 bucks, I think, off the top of my head. Go watch MLW Deserve Your praise and support and I cannot wait to see what they do moving forward here. We better cover some AEW news while I'm going guys so how about we cover up we had episode 164 of Being the Elite which was a flashback which is pretty much Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks they're in um they're getting ready for their match for Triple Mania against the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid it's still a rematch from Fighter Fest Top of my head. Fight of the Fest, not, I don't think it was for Fight for the Fallen. But yeah, we had that match. And... It might have been Fight for the Fallen. So, uh, I'm around me. But you guys you guys know. One of those matches. It was an AEW rematch. And that Triple, Triple Mania was insane. You need to watch Triple Mania. Like, the, the amount of bonkers things that happened there. And the, the crowd in Mexico, they just absolutely love it. It's just part of the culture there. That you had Kane Velasquez debut, like alongside Cody Rhodes. You had LA Parker turn after like six years. It was great. But it was basically covering their journey to get to there. And the episode was called Throwback. And it was like a lot of Easter eggs from the very first episodes of Being the Elite, including like the, the little the introduction changing to the old school introduction, the music. Yeah, very entertaining. Really, it was covering all that. There wasn't any big announcements except for the very end, which we found out that because AEW's first episode on TNT October 2nd has sold out, well, what's next? Episodes 2 and 3 is saying, where are they going to be happening? Well, 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 everybody. Uh, We found out that the second and third tapings will be in Boston, Massachusetts, October 9th at the Aganis Arena. And in Philadelphia, October 16th, at the, I can't pronounce it, Licorus Center. I'm hoping that's correct. But yeah, AEW's Twitter has been following a lot of venues across America, which could be potential episode locations moving forward. A lot of them, surprisingly, are where WWE have actually had events before, which I don't see that as like, oh, hell no, like WWE should be pissed off at that. They're going to be pissed off about it anyways, but they might not be like in terms of what they're after. They're, they're looking to try and get like a six thousand to eleven thousand people per show. So, and there's probably no other spots in certain towns in America without being there, looking up on a map geographically. Yeah, regardless. So they're slowly making announcements for all those matches. But the real thing we should be talking about from being the from AEW is the Road to All Out episode 4 because, man, the revelations in here were awesome. We now know that there was going to be a casino battle royal at All Out, a all-women's casino battle royal. Uh, Again, same rules apply from the last one. It's a bit convoluted. It's a bit convoluted excuse for a Rumble match, but you know what? It's entertaining. It is entertaining, and I'm hoping that they've worked out the kinks from uh, the last one so i'm hoping yeah after double or nothing they've kind of figured out what they need to do to make the, this one work for the ladies now there's only like a that a dozen or so women announced on the women's roster so far so they said maybe the winner might be an unknown woman it might be 
this woman and they announce Teal Piper, the daughter of Rowdy Roddy Piper, making her wrestling debut. This is big, right? You had Ronda Rousey who was given permission like by like by Roddy Piper and by WWE to use the term rowdy for her while she was wrestling and to have the kilt and everything else and try and carry on the legacy of Rowdy Roddy Piper. AEW like, well, we're going to just sign her daughter, sign his daughter. That That's big, right? And to make a star out of her would be a big move, a big empowering move for AEW, for the fans of the this, the disgruntled fans who got lost along the way, who remember the old days, remember of Rowdy Roddy Piper, people trying to kill him for being just such a detestable prick, right? Oh, it was just fantastic news. And we weren't done with all these revelations. So you had Jake the Snake Roberts as a card dealer for AEW. Like, he looks so, he looks so healthy, first off. I'm so happy for him. But the fact that he was there, like, as this um, this blackjack dealer, it was that was awesome. A nice little announcement there. And we had a couple other stars announced for the Casino Battle Royal. Eva Lee's from Lucha Underground, perfectly timed because I am in the middle of a Lucha Underground marathon. I love it. Elise Lee has finally, finally got out of her Lucha Underground contract and she can travel across the indie scene and whether she stays on as a permanent member of the AEW roster, I don't know. I'm hoping, especially when they hit the ground running with their tag team division. Oh, I can't wait. And then the other news... The bitch is back. Jazz, shaved head, new mask, looks like an absolute killer. She's come back from injury. I am so happy. I was, oh, I don't know whether they'll elaborate on exactly on what happened with her having to drop the NWA women's title because she just missed out on a thousand days with that bloody belt. A thousand days. That is big. Right, and then they changed the belt. They brought in a smaller little thing, and it's like Allison K. I think it is off the top of my head. She's now the women's champion, and I, I had a half a mind to think that maybe Jazz would go back to NWA. She might still. I, I'm, this doesn't necessarily rule it out, but oh, it's just great to see her back. I, she could be the surprise in this entire thing. And then we ended this road to all out with a little of a expose on um, Nyla Rose, just talking about her her journey into the world of pro wrestling, accepting who she was, and yeah, that was the episode of Road to All Out this week. Big news, big revelations. I was so excited for this Casino Battle Royal. I never thought I'd say that because I didn't think the first one was all that great. It was entertaining. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, oh, I don't see Teal winning. I see Jazz kicking ass and maybe facing off against Awesome Kong at some point. My money's on Britt Baker at the moment or um, Smiley Kyrie, Smiley Kylie. One of those two, I think, are going to face off in 
uh, to crown the new women's champion at the first taping for AEW. It, it seems like it's gonna yeah, that's in the cards right now, but for now, just bask in this the real women's revolution here going on. Uh, we had some NWA news, another big revelation from NWA. Like, of course, last week they cut their ties with Ring of Honor, and now they did a big announcement where, guess what? They are going to be starting their own TV show September 31st, uh, October 1st. They're going to be doing some episodes from Atlanta, Georgia. We don't know anything else at this point, but I, they want to go back to the old school style of we are basically in the territory scene again, like from the, the 70s, right? I love the announcement. I'm so happy for the NWA that they're getting back to this point. I'm very worried, though, because, again, I don't know if they have the numbers and the funding, momentum behind them to be able to do this. But you know what? They're going to give it a crack. And if nothing else, they're going to try and make make fans, new fans out of everybody who are slowly starting to realize about the wrestling scene moving forward. Like they're, they're glad it's good that they've got people like Eli Drake there at the moment, like James Storm. They've got their belts on some really great people right now that can help carry that, that brand, which like is a great idea because if AEW are there, like people might start exploring like, Hey, what else is around? Like the NWA. I remember that back. My granddad used to love that. Or I grew up watching that. I can't wait. It's the landscape of wrestling is constantly changing, especially in these last week or so. And before I get into the other big seismic changes from the wrestling world, how about we listen to Greg with our sponsors? Good, we are out of the way of the advertisements. Now let's get into the meat of this entire podcast here. Who has been signed in this world? Who has been injured? Who has left a company? Who wants to leave a company? A lot of stars want to leave their companies at the moment, let's be fair. And just the weird news that come across my desk that I need to share because it needs to be out there in the world. People need to hear this stuff. God damn it. Uh, in terms of the signings, as I mentioned to you guys before the uh before the advertisements, we had Jazz, Ivelisse, and Teal Piper announced for AEW. We have uh, rumors at the moment. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the actual confirmed things before I talk about the rumors. Kira Hogan has signed a new multi-year deal with Impact Wrestling. I'm happy to hear that. She's been going with a few with Jordan Grace at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if they start doing a little bit of a tag team with her and Madison Rain right now, like they're, they're, they're a little bit frenemies right now, I think, at the moment. Uh, AEW have signed a new person for their roster, Tania Brooks, or some people might know her as Rebel, and she's going to be helping with hair and makeup. She's not <laughs> wrestling for them. She might. She might. She could be one of those unknowns for the Casino Battle Royal, but this is only just announced, so she's actually going to be helping with the hair and makeup for the women's roster for AEW. Which is nice, I suppose. Like, obviously, that's an important thing for, like, not just the not just the ladies, but for the guys as well. Like, with a lot of um, hair and makeup, just the preparation, depending on what some people do. Uh, we have a big conf- confirmation uh, for Ring of Honor. Like, they've been taking hits for ages now, but they there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and its name is Joe Hendry, the former Defiant 
world champion, has been touring the Indies. He used to be a former Impact star. Finally found his home right now with Ring of Honor. He made the announcement on his YouTube channel, which you should go watch. He's he's a creative like you've never seen before in the wrestling world. He's just one of those guys that is always putting out great content. In terms of the uh, the rumor mill at the moment with signings and returns, you have Davy Boy Smith apparently has been announced as um, apparently three different companies are in talks with him to be signing up somewhere. And not that this is indicative of where he'll go, but Davy Boy said he wants to continue working for MLW, which does rule out WWE pretty much because they want everyone exclusive. Maybe they could organize a deal with AEW if he still wants to work with MLW. I don't know if they're able to. I mean, I'm using MJF as an example. I, I, I see Court Bauer and Tony Khan as on that same level creatively. And I'm hoping that they could come to an understanding in terms of the exclusivity in America. There'd be a lot of... They they could do great magic together in terms of collaboration and the talent they have at their disposal. Yeah, and given the issues with uh, Gato, New Japan does seem unlikely, but you know what? Like, given the roles that are left, like given the promotion that are left, um, would love to see Davey in Impact. Would love to see him in Ring of Honor. I mean, maybe he'll start appearing in the NWA. Like, there's, there'd definitely be a market there for him. A accomplished tag wrestler in pretty much everywhere he's gone, he'd be a valuable asset to any company. But that's uh, that's according to the, the newsletter. Of course, to the dirt sheets as well. Just make it that what you will. Some uh, other rumors is that Sonata of uh, Los and Goblin Arbor's De Japon uh, of the evil faction, uh, the, the, the tag team, sorry, with evil, I should say, uh, he's been rumored to maybe have caught the eye of WWE. Now, he is a former X Division champion in Impact Wrestling. He has had singles runs in America in a couple of places. They haven't really been that successful. And he's a very accomplished wrestler. I don't know what they do with him in WWE. Again, depends on how much money they throw at him and if he'd be open to that kind of thing. I Usually I see the New Japan people, like they go in, they sign a deal for like five years or so, and then they can come back to New Japan and just, yeah, to the, the tail end of their career, which Sonata's in that bracket. Like He's only like 31. Maybe... I, I hope not. I, I do hope not. It's it's at that point now, with all the signings to WWE, that really I just wanna, I wanna see a break from all that. Like for stars to just kind of take a stand. Like no, I don't care how much money you throw at me. You guys need to, to check your shit before you like, reach out to other stars. So very capable wrestler. I hope he stays with New Japan, but it depends again on here where he's at his at his career and how much money money they throw at him. There were rumors that the Big Red Machine Kane was actually meant to be appearing on a couple of house shows uh, to face off against the likes of Braun Strowman, but as you know, he is the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, and so he's a politician now, and he can't really go out there randomly and just like, you know what, I'm going to wrestle a couple matches. Like, later, later my 
my constituents. Like I, I'm going to vent off some frustration under a mask and with through hellfire and brimstone, I shall be back. No, that's not how that works. Um, apparently a couple of wrestling sites have actually had a chat to um, the, like Knox County, the politicians there and actually said like, no, he's definitely not uh, being a part of that. So at the moment, it seems like that was just all hearsay. Might happen, but the, the rumors are that he would have like a match with Braun Strowman. Uh, yeah, I I feel like it's safe to say Kane's retired at this point. It doesn't feel right to have him like pop up when, when you know like now he's just like this this politician now. It's it's bizarre. What a, what an age we live in where like we're, we're worried about this wrestler's political career. It's just it's the mind boggles, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but as well, uh, you had Pat Buck. He's been announced to former Progress, I think. Uh, producer from Progress. He's actually moved up to do a, doing some producing roles for WWE. Uh, similar to another producer from Progress. They're actually doing some stuff with NXT UK. Uh, yeah, a lot of backstage people announced. In terms of injuries, though, no one... Um, on the current roster at the moment you have park um hasn't been announced anything yet but at a tnt summer explosion show you see the picture doing the round like there's bone sticking out of his leg after a show he had to be rushed to hospital uh it, it looked grim it looked very grim and of course he's been rumored to be heading back to AEW at some point down the line hopefully they can stick that bone back in there and he can appear at um maybe all out you would hope so but it will see in terms of the people who are going under the knife at the moment not uh permanent members of any wrestling roster right now you have ruby riot like she has undergone successful shoulder surgery on her other shoulder she had to have she had to have both of them done like that's how bad it was after her fights with ronda rousey um <laughs> poor girl so successful surgery she should be back in WWE soon. Whether I forget where she got drafted. I'm going to say SmackDown, but I could be wrong. Uh, Paige, of course, as well. She's been announced to once again be having neck surgery. So uh, they were hoping from her last surgery that certain parts of her anatomy would heal up. They have not. So she's once again going under the knife. She's doing the manager role at the moment with the Kabuki Warriors who I believe are going to be facing off on this week's Raw for the tag titles, which we'll get into the women's tag titles in a second as well. But yeah, hopefully they can um, help Paige live a more comfortable lifestyle now, especially since she's away from the ring. In terms of people leaving their respective promotions, after Triple Mania, uh, Dr. Wagner, he actually had a hair versus mask match against Blue Demon Jr., which he lost, and he said that if he did lose that match, he would retire. Now, this could just be for AAA, but given how Dr. Wagner is up there in his wrestling career, he might just be done. And if there was ever a stage to leave, like the main event at Triple Mania in front of, I'm going to say like 100,000 fans from Mexico, man, that's a perfect way to go for him. Also, a person who announced that they're going to have their final match uh, Trish Stratus, 
the lady who has all the satisfaction in the world, she announced um, she's doing a media circuit in Toronto, which it's nice to do a media circuit in your hometown, I suppose. She can just travel and do what she wants. <laughs> Fortunately, they're all in Toronto right now. But Trish announced that this it would be her final match at SummerSlam where she's facing off against Charlotte Flair. I It feels weird to be saying, like, Trish has had a lot of final matches, but this might be the final, final match. Ah, uh, they have a lot of potential to make Charlotte like a big mega heel in terms of if they like if she beats the crap out of Trish. I, I don't know how they're gonna do this. Like I obviously see Charlotte getting the win on, on this one. Like Trish will put on a great show, like because she can still go. But or I'm I'm curious where they're gonna go with that and and yeah, like Trish. She's been able to retire multiple times now at that point where she's still healthy and she's still able to live like uh, a comfortable lifestyle without any like uh, injuries from her wrestling career as far as we're aware. But she's managed to take care of herself throughout the, that entire run that she had with WWE and she's been able to come back and forth heaps of times and yeah, but I wish more stars you could hear stories like that where they, they leave at the right time before they've damaged themselves to the point where like they're beyond repair in a lot of ways. But yeah, Trish Stratus final match. Not who I expected it to be with, but you know what? Both those ladies are going to... This could be a, like a low-key match of the night, depending on how they go about it. So everyone should check out SummerSlam moving forward. Some other news, guys. A lot of news headlines that come out this week. Uh, I'm going to start with Bill Goldberg. So he's got a match at SummerSlam at the moment as well against Dolph Ziggler. He was announced he returned on this week's Raw uh, after a little bit of chicanery with The Miz, Shawn Michaels, saying like, oh, no, Miz is not going to be facing off against me. Uh, uh, Dolph Ziggler's not going to be facing off against me. And then it was like Shawn Michaels was in the ring. He's like, it ain't me, brother. And then you hear Goldberg's music. The revel- the reveal was fantastic. And it's unlike WWE to actually get that right in a lot of ways. But happy to hear that. Uh, we found out how much he made from his uh, stint, I should say, at Super Showdown. Over a million dollars. That oh, Saudi money is... It can change people's opinions on their wrestling careers right now. Uh, yeah. And this is weird because that is more than his 2003-2004 paycheck for those entire eight or so matches that he did, which is saying something because his entire run with that company, like when he got the world title and everything else, it's weird. Like It's not... He was earning like three million in his prime back in WCW, but that's a lot of money to throw at someone, especially in that later stage of their career. And it seems like they they're really trying to push the they're making Goldberg into this Bruno Sammartino type role where he's just going to come back, the lone gunslinger coming back for one more fight again after the Brock Lesnar and everything else. Uh they need to make it, as long as they make it mean something and this helps get rid of the thoughts of the Saudi Arabia show out of my mind, then 
okay, that's fine. Like, but it gives you the idea of like how much exactly they're actually paying the legends to come back, like the Shawn Michaels, like your Triple H's, like your Undertakers. Gives you an idea of just how much money they throw at these stars to actually appear in Jeddah to do all these shows, and it's it's disgusting. It is disgusting, but just how greedy some people can get, and just how people's um, morals can kind of go out the window depending on how many zeros are behind the check. But yeah, I'll, I will not touch upon Saudi Arabia anymore. Uh, we had a lot of SummerSlam changes this week. So, of course, we had the matches, of course, the Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler. That was a very impromptu thing that happened at the last second. It was being rumoured for a while. But, yeah, the, now we know. And we've only got about 10 matches actually announced at the moment for the SummerSlam card, which is very reasonable for WWE. I'm actually worried. <laughs> very, very reasonable, right? And... Vince McMahon does have a habit of, um, lately especially, changing things at the last second on SmackDowns, like rewriting the entire script like a couple hours before the shows. I think this last episode of SmackDown, it was only about, goh, 90 minutes before the show started, which is insane how they still managed to pull off the entire episode once he did, once he did that. Just imagine being working for Vince, just like seeing him appear on an episode of SmackDown, just like before the show starts, just like, oh crap, here he is about to ruin everything again. <laughs> but in terms of the SummerSlam changes here, uh, some matches that were planned for the show but were taken off included Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan. Like the idea was that uh, Rowan did, um, that Rowan attacked Roman Reigns, tried to kill him. But the rumor is that he did it for DeBryan. Uh, to take a quote from Rikishi there, and the idea was that they would have a match at SummerSlam. Well, that, that was the idea anyway, but we'd taken a caller off that. Shinsuke Nakamura was meant to face Ali. Alistair Black was meant to face Sami Zayn. They've all been pulled out, like poor Sami Zayn. The dude's just getting kicked in the dick by Vince McMahon so many times. Like, for, for what? Supporting charities? Jesus Christ. Uh, apparently, Drew McIntyre versus Cedric Alexander is being rumoured right now, but there's nothing that's been announced yet. Apparently, the women's tag team title match that was on Raw, that was meant to happen at SummerSlam, but the match took place on Raw so that it wouldn't get lost in the shuffle. I think that was Paul Heyman's doing, which you can slowly see the changes that Paul Heyman's implementing to Raw and like, to create the creative team. Like Not so much SmackDown like with Eric Bischoff, because again, he's not doing anything creatively. He's just... Uh, the 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 liaison between Fox and WWE at this point. That's all he's doing. But yeah, on a whim, Visit Man could actually change all these plans. And like, you hear all this talk now how he hasn't really had much plans for the women's tag team division, which I am shocked by this unforeseen revelation. I mean, who would have seen that from the booking these past few months? And like, it's kind of obvious that you hear all this stuff happening from the Observer, how, yeah, he never wanted the titles out to begin with, and he hasn't had any plans for them, which, yeah, they, they had the plans with the Bellas, when they kind of fell through. And, yeah, I'm hoping that Paul Heyman can actually give those belts some legitimacy on Raw if they're not going to be given time on pay-per-views. 
I'm glad that they are on pay-per-views after the we had a tight tag team title change. And as much as I am disheartened that the Iconics have been dethroned, like the Aussie pride in me has been crushed in, in a couple ways this week. But I'm, I'm glad at least that the title's actually being shown on the product, you know? I want that at least. But to think about just the, the volatility of one Vince McMahon and to kind of enforce that, you have um, the latest interview from Chris Van Vliet. He interviewed Jimmy Jacobs, who former Ring of Honor wrestler, former WWE writer. He's now in Impact at the moment doing some creative stuff. But, yeah, he got fired after the invasion by the Bullet Club, quote-unquote, onto a Raw. He took a photo with the club, and he got fired for that, for a photo, just for a photo. Uh, but he was talk- he talked to Chris Van Vliet about his um, involvement in the Kevin Owens-Chris Jericho storyline, about the Festival of Friendship, which I, I love the Festival of Friendship. I thought that was great. But he's talking about the day he got fired, and he's saying that WWE is really fun except for that one black cloud that hangs over the place, and that's the crazy man. <laughs> I love that you didn't have to even say the man, like the the crazy man. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. We won't acknowledge him by name. Just he's the crazy man that lingers around there. He'll peep his head around, just like what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I love that. I love that sassiness, like from the zombie princess Jimmy Jacobs. Like you go, you go, Jimmy. Ah, <laughs> uh, and it just speaks to the mindset of this man. So uh, on the one hand. I'll talk. I'll talk about the nice thing that you've heard. So, uh, unfortunately, last week, the late um, Harley Race passed away after a battle with cancer, and Vince McMahon paid for his final days in hospital. Like he paid for all of his medical expenses. Um, apparently, like the the Medicare over there, like the health agencies over there, couldn't cover Harley Race towards his final days. And Trevor Murdoch, who was a student of Harley Race, called up WWE, visit man. Within 10 minutes, he paid for the entire thing. He flew him over to, to the certain hospital. And yeah, on the one hand, this man is capable of being a caring, considerate man. But on the other hand, he's just a crazy bastard. And sometimes the craziness kind of outweighs the 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 nice person underneath you know like more often than not he's just yeah just out of his out of his mind like creatively like psychologically yeah he's 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 an interesting he would be an interesting case study for any psychiatrist my god but um you hear all these moves and and another thing is as well as a ruthless businessman because you hear all this talk now a couple of stuff that i heard which made me just I was not happy hearing. So the first thing you hear is that WWE looks like it is interested in acquiring Fight TV, that they are interested in having meetings to try and buy the rights to Fight TV. Now, this, in terms of business moves, would be like, it's not illegal, but it would be the most biggest, like, kick in the dick for the indie wrestling scene because Fight TV... Not only do they air several combat sports like boxing, MMA, kickboxing, right? They air so many indie promotions, right? Ring of Honor, MLW, New Japan, AEW, interestingly enough, and a lot of small indie shows here. Like, my God, there's some Australian promotions 
that actually are available on Fight TV, right? And if WWE were to actually acquire that service, it's possible that those wrestling deals could just be cut, right? And the indie scene would be floundering, right? Absolutely floundering if that were to happen. Right now, Fight TV have denied this uh, on their social medias, but if there are meetings happening, like you have to imagine that's where their mindset's at, and they'd just be like, you can imagine that they're doing this for AEW, but the the ripple effect if they were to ever actually do this would be catastrophic for the indie scene, and to reassert that grip on that monopoly they have on the wrestling scene to reassert that dominance. It sounds like such a Vince McMahon move. It's, I was I was frothing when I heard that news. I was really not looking forward to it. You can see that idea being used for other things because if they own Fight TV, that could be an avenue for a lot of their wrestlers to maybe get into the MMA and boxing side again. Like with uh, you have Bobby Lashley who he wanted to try and do some more Bellator fights. You could have. Like Brock Lesnar, like maybe he could explore other avenues of going back into mixed martial arts again. You can see that maybe coming into a like another tiered system in the WWE network. Like business wise, it would be a very smart decision. Um, but in terms of the wrestling scene and the implications on how it will affect everyone else. It would be really bad. Like some, uh, some companies would have to make up their own networks. Like Impact is at Impact Plus right now, right? AEW could do that. They'd have they they might be able to, but in terms of their catalog, they have three shows. They've had th- like technically four if you count all in, right? But they've had three shows, so they don't have a big like foundation of knowledge, like foundation of content, I should say. There's, there's so much knowledge that my god it could leave a lot of promotions dead in the water and again you've got like mlw who are just trying to like they're only just starting to make their first pay-per-view in november i hope this doesn't come to pass i hope this doesn't happen and i, I hope this other news as well does not happen because it looks like uh, according to the wrestling observer newsletter the rumor is that NXT might be moving to Fox Sports 1, and apparently to him, it's to Dave Meltzer, it's a done deal, which dirt sheets, hearsay, take that what you will. And at the moment, you've got NXTs airing one, like, one month's worth of pre-taped shows every Wednesday, right? And if that would change to weekly live broadcast, they'll go for two hours. Seemingly, to go head-to-head with AEW. Like, granted, NXT have been doing been a part of Wednesdays for ages right so you can't necessarily call it like the reason for it but to have them be a part of Fox Sports during the same time roughly as when um AEW could be doing their thing I don't like it and it begs the question as well so if they're actually going to be a live show then although Triple H is running it, there is a strong possibility that Vince McMahon would have to get involved in some capacity, right? And Vince McMahon, if you read all the rumors and everything else about him, does not watch NXT at all. He's left it entirely to Triple H, 
and it's been this nice little, this worst kept secret in the wrestling world about the the pure art form of sports entertainment in an like, is NXT, and like the the talent that they have there are phenomenal, and I'm worried that if this would actually happen, it would ruin the magic, right? And I, don't get me wrong, I want all those guys in NXT, all those guys and girls to have as much opportunities as possible. But if they were to go live, right, yes, it would give them more exposure, which is fantastic. But in terms of the wrestling, the Wednesday Night Wars moving forward, if AEW starts growing, which it will, who are they going to blame? They're going to blame the show that is literally on the same day as them. They're going to blame NXT. And if Vince is in charge of NXT, if he has to get involved at some point, he might punish those stars. For what? For, like, for what? Like, they could incur the wrath of Vince McMahon for absolutely no reason. And I just, I don't like the idea. I don't like the idea of it. And I, I, I want NXT to be like, go for longer. I want it to be two hours. I want them to showcase the very best of what the WWE roster is capable of. But man, I... I do not want to live in a world where this man is actually telling the commentary team like Mauro Ronaldo how to talk. I do not want Mauro Ronaldo to be the next Michael Cole in terms of how he's just going to be sh- like shoved down our throats. He'll be saying Mamma Mia every five seconds, right? I don't like it. I do not like it at all. Um, a lot of pl- A lot of moves that could be happening in the future of WWE. Like one thing they have actually done definitely though, after a 20 year relationship um, with Uke is that, that the video game developer who've done the 2K games, they've actually terminated this relationship and they're now partnered with the visual concepts. Right. So, which is interesting because uh, it's been rumored that AEW might be uh, hoping to partner with Uke in the future. Uh, like it's been rumors that they might be doing a demo game for them. You have to imagine like the, with someone like Kenny Omega, who is a big gaming nut, if there were to be an AEW game at some point, it would be, the, the gameplay would be phenomenal. Like just from the people who actually, you know that there are people who actually care about it, right? So the idea of that, maybe that's, that could be a reason for that change. But after 20 years and, I'll, I'll say it. I'm not a big fan of the 2K games. I'm not much of a gamer myself, but you don't really, like, after a while, those games get a little bit too, they get a little bit too repetitive in my eyes. And a lot of the, a lot of the gameplay, like, it, it's lost a lot of its luster over the past few years. Like, I, if you are a hardcore gamer and you love those games, more power to you. I just feel like after a while, it kind of lost its way with a lot of, a lot of things. And yeah, if only uh, relationships with WWE could end so um, so civilly for a lot of their uh, for a lot of their stars, because if it was that easy for their other stars, man, they wouldn't be in such hot water with the way they are at the moment. Because um, on the Observer Radio, uh, when they were talking to a producer from um, Dark Side of the Ring and the wrestlers, there was the idea about a union being formed to for wrestlers for the sole reason of getting fired right 
And Dave Meltzer has actually been claiming that a lot of performers have actually asked him of ways to get out of their contracts by any means necessary. Failing drug tests, breaking the law, which Meltzer has advised against. He didn't, like, obviously that would be implicating of some criminal activity, of course, accomplice and everything else. But people are thinking, like, if you think about it, so they have the wellness policy, and yes, they'll be taken out of shows and suspended and everything else, but they will still be under contract. They could get arrested, like Jeff Hardy or Jimmy Uso, but they WWE will release the statement saying, like, they're responsible for their own actions, and they'll still be under contract. I'm not saying that Jimmy Uso and Jeff Hardy did those things to get out of their contracts, but I'm saying, like, if that was the goal of a wrestler, then that's what they would do. And one thing that WWE are renowned for is being adamantly anti-union, and anyone attempting to form one could end up in, like, a win-win scenario here. Right? You can think of guys like Luke Harper, right? If this would work, they they need someone to kind of rally the troops. And I hope it would be Luke Harper. Like the idea of the fact that there is no union for the wrestlers at this point is mind boggling to me. And you have that and people will throw names like AW, which yes, they have their roster are independent contractors. Chris Jericho is a permanent employee. I should point that out. But they are only, their wrestlers are only exclusive in America. They are allowed to do other shows, which, like, John Moxley actually confirmed as well. He can still wrestle for New Japan. He's still the new United States champion. So when they move to TNT, he can still be the US champion in Japan, in New Japan, and kick ass over there. He can do anything else in the rest of the world. When it comes to America, they're just exclusively AEW property. That is the definition of it. Like when the the idea of an independent contractor is that um, a company does not rely on that that specific employer, that specific roster talent for their business. Like they don't rely on that person for their job. Otherwise, they're an employee. And if they did, like, man, like, I, you had, uh, who was it? Um, you had to, like, talk about this, like, during the, the steroid case and everything else. Like, you had, uh, I'm going to kill me, like, one, one of the Hall of Famers, they, they tried to organize a union back in the early 90s. And, of course, John Oliver trying to get that talk going again. Like, it's it's sad. It's it's just sad to hear that the stars actually want to get out of the contracts by any mean any means necessary, and it just shows like that it should be illegal. Just the fact that all these stars they want to just get out of the company, but WWE want to control every aspect of their life essentially, and like it could be even worse when they take control of their social media if indeed that does happen. Um, in terms of like they don't want to have any other social media disasters throughout um, the career moving forward if they are going to be having competition and everything else in the wrestling landscape. Uh, it, it's just weird. Um, I'll talk about a couple other things. Uh, AEW have actually filed for another trademark 
the latest trademark they've actually filed for is AEW Revolution. Now, all these trademarks, we have no idea what they mean just yet. But of course, we know that they trademark stuff like Tuesday Night Dynamite, Wednesday Night Dynamite, right? AEW, of course. There are a whole bunch of things that, again, we don't know what they're used for. And AEW Revolution could be for the new game, if that is the idea. That could be for that new game with uh, Uke, if that was to come to pass. Uh, it could be the name of a pay-per-view, right? AEW Revolution. Like, yet apparently they're only going to do one more pay-per-view in 2019. They're only going to do like four or five a year, which is like the perfect amount to keep them special, to make them important, and not have them done every like two weeks, like WWE seemed to do. It could be for the TV show. We don't know the name of it yet, but to be fair... If you have a if you're on a TNT network and you don't use the term Wednesday night dynamite, that's just a missed opportunity. Like <laughs> that's that is a waste of space. Like it's either Wednesday night dynamite for me or nothing. Who am I kidding? I'm still going to watch it regardless. But <laughs> I have no leverage here. I've got a couple other stories guys before I finish. Um Stephen Amell, uh, he's actually spoken out at a convention and in a press circuit uh, about All Out. So he's in his final season of Arrow at the moment. And for those of you big wrestling fans, he did appear all in last year where he faced off against Christopher Daniels. They had an amazing match. Um, he actually came to Australia a couple of months ago as part of Supernova. I tried to talk to him didn't happen i tried to organize something i did a media circuit did not come to pass unfortunately but i was one of those people who was going to try and ask him is he going to be a part of all out and fortunately someone else has actually asked him that question and he's pretty much said no so he's saying like his wife doesn't approve of his wrestling career right now he says he risks divorce if he does which that's fair enough wrestling isn't for everybody but He's saying, I don't want to have to send an email to Greg Belanti, who is the producer of Arrow, Mark Guggenheim, who is one of the executive producers, right? Uh, and James Bamford, who is one of the biggest directors, like biggest acting directors on the CW that you'll ever see. He is, you watch some of the fight scenes in Arrow and they're just amazingly choreographed. Like, I'll, I'll get off no tangent. But apparently... Uh, after his match with Christopher Daniels last year, he fractured his hip and they couldn't do anything about it. And it wouldn't heal. It didn't heal as fast as he thought it would. And apparently the episode of Arrow they had to film right after doing All In was a big action heavy episode. And he kind of shot himself in the foot just in terms of having to do all this big hard physical labor of doing his show and then after he'd just done this grueling match with Christopher Daniels um so yeah he says until I'm done with the show I'm staying out of the squared circle which now consider the phrasing there until he's done with the show which means that after he's done with Arrow maybe he could take up a couple matches I I honestly think that in terms of star power, Stephen Amell would be a great grab 
for AEW TV. He could even just show up. He didn't have to do a match, but he could be a part of a storyline and then just do like a couple moves. He could do the crossroads on freaking MJF. I don't know, somebody. To have Stephen Amell in the wrestling world after his history with the Elite, with Cody, with the whole Stardust thing, it would make sense. I would love it. I would... (laughs) I would love to see, I want to see Green Arrow in wrestling. Is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? I want my comic love and my wrestling love to blur until they are one and the same. Um, but yeah, for those of you who are wondering if you'll definitely pair all out, not going to happen. Which is sad, but we will. I'm sure they'll put on a great show in spite of all that. Uh, the last one I'm going to leave to you guys Um Bit of a sad one, but uh, it bears being said. So, of course, there was another mass shooting in America, the latest of which was in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I think there was another attempted one in the news at the time of recording, which they're constant in America. Like it, it's it's as an Australian, we can say all this stuff like with our gun laws, and like I don't want to get into that. That's an argument for a completely different podcast. I do apologize, but what I'm getting at here is. Um, one of the people who helped stop the gunman in the Ohio shootings was actually an independent wrestler by the name of Jeremy Ganger. Um, he stopped the shooter from entering a local bar that he was a bouncer at before police arrived. Um, Pro Wrestling Sheet reported that uh, he's one of the further 27 people that were injured in the attack by the gunman, so he did actually get shot at some point, fortunately not fatally. Uh, he just had a bunch of shrapnel, ru- shrapnel wounds, I should say. Uh, Ganger is still new in his wrestling career, but to say that a pro wrestler actually stopped the gunman is, yeah, just shows the bravery of of Jeremy Ganger and just the, like the bravery actually to face off against someone with a automatic rifle. It's just like. Our thoughts go out to the families and the victims of anyone who was affected by that senseless display of violence in Ohio and anywhere, of course, with the, again, the constant announcements of mass shootings in America. Like it's It doesn't need to happen. It just doesn't. But you hear the stories about wrestlers um, when no one else um, defends, no one else is there to defend someone some reason for some reason or another like you hear stories of wrestlers like being in the right place at the right time and actually being able to help people in times of need and this is actually a lovely display um obviously like if if not for um jeremy ganger like, who knows how many more people might have um, lost their lives in that mass shooting so um from me from uh, the b plus here want to extend like yeah gratitude to him for actually stepping in there and yeah, again, it just it it's just senseless what's happening over there. I don't mean to be so dour, ladies and gentlemen, before we end the convert, but before we end our podcast here. But I just need to um, highlight that and just yeah, show my respect, if nothing else. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have for you today. If you want to follow me on all the socials, I'm at Miss Mysterious with one seven I. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Hit me up. We'll have a chat about this week in all the weird, wacky wrestling news that we've had. 
If you want to follow us collectively here at the B Plus, we are at the B Plus Wrestle on Twitter because wrestling wouldn't fit the B Plus Wrestling everywhere else. Make sure to follow us, guys. We're an okay bunch, if I do say so. Remember, we have our Patreon. Any amount you could donate would be greatly appreciated, so we can keep giving you all what you want, when you want, highlighting the very best of Australian wrestling while keeping you up to date on all the wrestling news from around the globe. Like, share, subscribe, hit that five-star review. I've been Mr. Mysterious for all the rest, and I'll see you later.